0: Now, Paul Rees and Adil Actor star in the true tale of how Antoine de Saint-Exupéry and his co-pilot crashed in the Libyan desert while attempting to break the record for the Paris-Saigon flight in 1935. Wind, sand and stars. i have been flying for 15 years ever since 1920, first as a military pilot and then opening up new mail routes in Africa and South America. And strangely, it was at night, up there flying above those scattered pinpricks of light that I came closest to my fellow men and women. I liked to think about those lights, about what the people down there might be doing, quietly reading perhaps or sharing confidences or making love. But I never came so close to other human beings. I n- never valued them so much as that time I crashed in the Libyan desert, when I thought in fact that I was going to die. Tunis, North Africa, 29th of December, 1935. I've flown here from Paris en route to Saigon. I'm signing some papers during refueling when... Beside the runway, two cars have crashed into each other at speed. In the peaceful evening light, fate has just struck a blow. I don't want to know about it. But in my heart, there's a sense of foreboding. I'll recognise that sound soon enough. When I scrape against my black plateau at 270 kilometres an hour, I'll recognise that same hoarse cough, that... (coughs) Which will be fate. Keeping its appointment with us. With the plane, with Privot, my mechanic, and myself. Everything checked and ready for takeoff, Santex. Do you think we'll do it? Hmm? Do what? Why well, break the record, of course. Paris Saigon. That's what we're here for, isn't it? I thought it was when we left Paris, but now. Now? Why not now? <laughs> Let's do it. Up here, the death of the world happens slowly. Little by little the light is leaving me. Little by little the earth and sky merge. The earth rises and seems to spread like a mist. The first stars tremble, as if in green water. It will be a while yet before they harden into diamonds. Hungry, Santex? Uh no, no, I don't want it. To... Sandwich! Uh, just give me a few grapes. I'm neither hungry nor thirsty. I don't feel tired at all. It seems as if I could fly on like this for another ten years, and I know nothing, nothing, to equal this time of day. Lights all checked and working okay. They're too bright. Oh, Hang on, I'll wrap the bulbs in paper. We've left Benghazi, heading for the Nile Valley. Ahead of us over a thousand kilometers of desert. No moon now, only a black asphalt stretching away to the stars. No lights, no landmarks, no radio signals. Only that thin line of radium on the instrument panel. Nothing else to guide us until we run into that thread of light which will be the Nile. No, they're still too bright. Put on another layer of paper. Right. We're outside everything. Suspended only by our engine. There's no help here. No forgiveness for errors. We're in the hands of God. How's that? Yeah, that's fine. No, no, wait. There's there's still some light coming from that joint in the lamp shaft. Got it. Uh... We've run into thick cloud. A bit of turbulence. Well, that's to be expected. What time is it? Four hours or five minutes out of Benghazi. We ought to be somewhere around Cairo. Yeah, we should be. I can't tell with all this cloud. Look, I'm going down. I'm going to take a look. Ah, oh, can't see a thing. Well, we must have flown past Cairo and Alex. so if I turn and head north, we should see their lights away to the left. Down this cloud! What's our altitude? 400 metres. I don't go any lower. But... But what? Well, because we don't know where we are, we don't know what our atmospheric pressure is, where we are. So, uh, our altitude could be anything between 400 metres and zero. Zero? Well, uh, let's think. But there's no more time for thinking because suddenly we're crashing into the ground at 270 kilometers an hour. All I'm expecting is the great crimson star of an explosion that would blow the two of us to smithereens. So I wait one second, two seconds, but there's no crimson star. 5 seconds. 6. Then nothing. Frozen immobility. Uh, 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 fire! Uh, uh, come on. Uh, oh, jump. Uh, 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 but there's no fire. No explosion. <sighs> <sighs> Are you hurt? Oh, not at all. It's inexplicable that we're alive. So, why are you rubbing your knee? Oh, uh, it's nothing, just that emergency pump. What emergency pump? It's nothing, I tell you. Oh, it was just that emergency pump, that's all. The crash has affected his brain. He'll start dancing in a minute. What the hell are you talking about? Huh? What's up with you? Nothing. Oh, god, it was that emergency pump. It got me in the knee. Uh, Where are we? Any idea? Well, we're on top of a plateau. It looks like. A plateau. It's covered with tiny. tiny black stones. You know that's what saved us. It was like landing on a tray of marbles. No, what I meant. Yes, was... I know what you meant. All I know is that we're in the desert, inside a square whose sides measure 400 kilometers each one. I better disconnect the batteries in case there's a short circuit. Meanwhile. I'm examining the ground in the darkness, just as I thought. I'm looking for a reason to hope, and I can't find one. See anything? Nothing. Not a single blade of grass. 400 kilometres, you say? More or less. In the desert? The water! The water! Central tanks burst. Oil tank too. The water's all gone. The sand's drunk it. Ah, Here's some coffee in the flask. About half a liter, I reckon. Oh, what's it, a Quarter of a liter of white wine. Um, A little grapes and ah, an orange. Walking in the sun in the desert. We'll use that lot up in five hours. Well, we might as well get some rest. Wait for daylight. If we were more or less on course, they'll find us in a week, which would be too late. And if we were off course, it could take six months. It's a shame, really. What is? We could have crashed properly and got it over with. Look, I know it's only slight, but we mustn't lose the chance of a rescue. We can't stay put. We've got to walk all day as soon as it gets light and then come back to the plain. There might be an oasis nearby. And before we set out, we write our plan in big letters on the sand. Right. We'll sleep till dawn. And we won't be alone, not even here in the desert, because sleep brings with it all sorts of voices, memories, whispered secrets. At least I'm not thirsty yet. At least. We're walking along the slopes of rounded hills. The ground is sand, covered by a layer of shiny black stones. All round us, the hills shine like armour. We've fallen into a world of metal, an iron landscape. Beyond each summit is another one just the same, black and shiny. As we walk, we scrape the ground with our feet, leaving a trail to return by. We're heading east, into the sun. If we find nothing in this direction, then tomorrow we'll go west. How long is it since we left the plane? Five hours. Look, landscape's changing. There's a valley ahead of us. At the bottom of it, then. What, what looks like a river. Only it's a river of sand. Still, we might as well head along it. No, Prevo. What? Our tracks. We haven't been leaving any. Oh, since when? If we can't find them, we'll die. We'll turn back and bear to the right. That way, we should cut across our tracks at right angles. There they are. Oh, thank God. Let's go in the direction of that valley. The heat is rising, and with it, the mirages, great lakes which vanish as we approach. We cross the valley of sand and climb the highest hill to scan the horizon. We've now been walking for six hours. Neither of us say anything. Ahead, the valley opens out into a desert of stoneless sand. Emptiness, stretching away to the horizon. And there, on the horizon, the play of light is forming more mirages, fortresses, minarets. There's no point going on. we are getting nowhere. We'd better get back to the plain. At least there'll be something to drink there. Right. There's still a chance the plane might be spotted. There's still a chance. Today we've covered over 60 kilometers. We've used up all our liquid. No one has flown overhead. How long can we last? Such thirst, already. As darkness falls, we light a fire from what's left of the shattered wing. The sheets of magnesium give off a hard white light. But will anyone see it? I'm looking into the eyes of my wife, only her eyes, nothing more, questioning me. I'm looking into all their eyes, all the eyes of those who are close to me, a whole assembly of eyes reproaching me for my silence. And I'm answering. I'm answering with the brightest flame I can throw into the darkness. But now, a clock has started to tick from the second I sucked that last drop of liquid. Easy. If we're done for, we're done for. Do you think I'm crying for myself? I've learned something. Nothing is unbearable. Even tomorrow won't be, or the day after. At least not for us. What's unbearable is the thought that every second of silence is killing those I love a little more. It's them who are suffering, not me. It makes me angry to think of it. Why? am I tied down like this? Why can't I arrive in time and rescue them? Why isn't this fire carrying our cry to the ends of the earth? Dawn. By wiping the wings with a rag, we collect enough dew mixed with paint and oil to cover the bottom of a glass. Horrible, but we drink it. Ugh! <sighs> to make you sick. Well, at least it's moistened our lips. We're lucky we have the revolver. What the hell does that mean? He'd better not be getting emotional. That's the last thing I need. Everything simple. Keep emotion out of it. It's a simple enough thing to be born or to grow up, so why can't it be simple to die as well? I'm watching him out of the corner of my eye. Now, it's all right. He wasn't being emotional. He might as well have said... We should wash our hands. And in fact, I thought the same thing about the gun myself yesterday when I noticed the leather holster. I've been thinking. Uh, One of us should stay here to light a fire if he sees a plane and the other one should, should explore like yesterday. Right. I'll stay here. Oh, you will? Well, I thought, you know, my knee's still playing up a bit. It was that emergency pump. Right. Good luck. You too. Here in the Libyan desert, the humidity is down to 18%. Everyone says that a man can survive 19 hours without water. After that, it's the beginning of the end. His eyes fill with light, and thirst hits him like a bolt of lightning. But this northeast wind may be helping us survive. For how long, though? How long until that light hits my eyes? Here and there are some strange burrows which must belong to the fennecs little sand foxes the size of rabbits with enormous ears. I can't resist following the tracks of one of them. They lead me to a narrow river of sand where each paw mark is clearly printed. I can imagine my friend gently trotting along at dawn, licking at the dew on the stones. Now, the tracks are more spaced out where my little fox started to run. And here, a friend joined him and they trotted along side by side. (laughs) Makes me strangely happy to be part of their morning stroll. I love these signs of life. And for a moment, I forget my thirst. At last, I arrive at my fox's larder. Every hundred metres, a tiny dry bush emerges out of the sand. Its stalks full of little golden snails. And the fennec goes shopping at dawn. And here I'm confronted with one of nature's great mysteries. My friend, the fennec, doesn't stop at every bush. There are some full of snails that he ignores. Others he goes up to, but doesn't strip them bare. He just takes two or three shells, then goes on to the next restaurant. What he's doing is an essential strategy. If my fox stuffed himself full at the first bush, he'd strip it bare in two or three visits. And that way, going from bush to bush, he'd wipe out his entire stock. But the fennec takes care not to upset the chain of life. He not only goes to a hundred of these brown tufts for a single meal, but he never takes two shells together from the same branch. It's as if all the time he's aware of the danger. If he gorged himself without thinking, there'd be no more snails. No more snails and no more fennecs. No doubt he's down there now, listening to my footsteps. Little fox... I'm finished, but it's strange. That doesn't stop me taking an interest in you. Hey, hey there! Doesn't answer. And no wonder. It's not a man, it's a black rock. No, it's a tree trunk. It's a tree trunk. What's that doing here? It's made of marble, and over there, more of them. Lumps of black marble, scattered about like broken columns. It's an antediluvian forest, destroyed by a hurricane 100,000 years ago. Giant, petrified columns, polished like steel, the color of ink. I can still make out the knots in their branches and count the rings in their trunks. This forest, which was once full of birds and music, has been struck by a curse and turned to salt. I can feel the hostility. These ruins are rejecting me. I am perishable. I don't belong here. There's no sand here, nor foxes. There's only this giant anvil that I'm walking on, with the sun ringing in my head like What's that over there? Hey! Hey there! Don't get yourself worked up. There's nothing there. But there is. Look, it's a caravan. Fool, you know you're inventing it. Then there's nothing real in the world. No. Nothing is real. Except... the cross on that hill. Twenty kilometers away. It's a cross, all right. And I remember now when I was studying the map last night, which is a waste of time because I don't know where I am, I saw a tiny cross on it like this one. And beside it, the words religious establishment. And there, next to the cross, was a black dot with the words permanent well. Permanent well. And there it is, my religious establishment. All I'll have to do is walk towards it and I'll go, running up to those Dominicans, in those, uh... Dominicans? In Libya? <sighs> <sighs> to those studious Dominicans. Oh, and they'll have a beautiful kitchen with red tiles and out in the courtyard a wonderful, rusty old pump. And underneath the pump, there'll be, yes, you guessed it, the permanent well. Oh! Oh, what a celebration there'll be when I ring at the gate, when I pull on that great bell. Oh, fool, you're talking about a house in Provence. And the porter will lift up his arms to heaven and shout, Oh, you've been sent by God! And he'll call all the monks, and they'll come rushing out to welcome me. And they'll take me to the kitchen and they'll say, Oh, you, wait a moment, my son. will just run over to the permanent well. And me? I'll be trembling with happiness. But I won't weep with that happiness. No. For the simple reason that there's no longer a cross on that hillside. almost evening. I've turned back. But what's that? Flames in the sky? Prevo must have thought me lost and panicked. Well, what difference does it make? Prevo is beside the fire, talking to two Arabs who were leaning against the engine. He hasn't seen me yet. He's too wrapped up in his own happiness. Oh! If only I'd waited with him, I'd have been saved already. Hey! Hey! The two Bedouins are looking at me. Prevot is leaving them and coming to meet me. I'm opening my arms. He's taking hold of my elbow. Why was I going to fall? At last, then. What? The Arabs. What Arabs? <laughs> Why is he looking at me like that? Santex, there aren't any Arabs. What? Come sit down. How much have we drunk since last night? Just a few drops of dew. But the northeast wind is still blowing, slowing down our evaporation. And if we could... Find a way to collect the dew. Prevost. Mm. Uh, What if we were to cut a parachute up into triangles and weigh the pieces down with stones and, um, you know, if the wind doesn't change, we'll be able to collect the dew at daybreak and and, and bring it out into one of the tanks. Good idea. Uh, I'll see if I can get one of the tanks out. Yeah. Now, look, if we lay the pieces down, just like this, you see, what's that you've got? Ta-da! <laughs> An orange. I thought we'd already eaten it must have been another one. Here, take off. Well, what I could really do with is 20 litres of water, but I have to say that, although we're condemned to death, this piece of orange is giving me one of the greatest pleasures of my life. I'm lying on my back, counting the stars, and I'm completely happy. Now I understand why the condemned man smiles when they give him a last cigarette and a glass of rum. It's not bravery. It's... I once spent the night in the Western Sahara with a small group of other pilots, years ago when I was flying for Postal. Rigel was the first to land with a broken connecting rod. Another comrade, Borga, then arrived to pick up Rigel's crew but he too suffered some minor damage that kept him on the ground. Finally, I landed, by which time night was falling. So we decided to wait for dawn to carry out the repairs. A year earlier, two other pilots who had broken down at this very spot had been killed by rebels. And we knew that these same rebels were still in the vicinity. Nevertheless, we settled down for the night. We unloaded five or six crates from the plane and spread them in a circle like sentry boxes. And inside each one, we lit a candle. And then we waited, either for the dawn that would save us, or the moors. There was something of Christmas about it. We shared memories. We joked and sang and felt like a party. And yet we were as poor as Trappist monks. We had nothing but the night and the danger, wind, sand and stars, and yet those six or seven men who possessed nothing in the world were sharing invisible riches. And here I am now with Prévost, this fire, my wreck of a plane, and half a piece of orange. I'm rich. Mm. Quick, come and look. It's worked. There must be at least two litres of water there. Quickly, you you get the tank. I'm going to drink. We're saved. Well, that's enough, surely. Right, right. Here's the (coughs) cups. Now. (coughs) (coughs) What? (coughs) What? Must be the coating on the parachute or in the tank. We should have used some other receptacle or another sort of cloth, but there isn't any. That's it all over. No. It's time to be off. Off? Off where? Today, east, northeast. And this time you're coming with me because we're not coming back to the plane. We're going to walk till we drop. Santhex. Yes! I'll come with you because because if I were alone, I'd just lie down right here. I remember nothing of that day. I walked with my eyes fixed on the ground so as not to see the mirages. Now and again, we rested a little and checked our direction with the compass. That's all I know. I'd become like the desert itself. Everything in me was obliterated. At sunset, we decide to make camp. The wind has changed direction. It tastes different. The beast of the desert has woken. Its warm breath is already on our hands and faces. I swear, that's a lake. <laughs> a lake? No, oh, just crazy. How can it be a mirage at sunset? It's it's only 20 minutes away. I want to take a look. As you like. Take your stroll. It'll be good for your health. He won't come back. He'll die out there where he falls. And me here where I fall. I'm trying to make some saliva, how long is it since I last spat? No more saliva, if I keep my mouth shut my lips stick together, but I can still swallow and my eyes haven't filled with light yet, when that happens I'll have two hours left. It's dark, but what's that up there swaying about among the stars? It's the mast of a ship. I'm lying on the deck of a ship. I've been bound, hand and foot, and dumped here by slave traders. And the ship is set on a course I can't escape from. He's not coming back. You didn't complain once. To hear moaning would have been unbearable. He's a man, is Prevost. Huh? Uh, there he is. I'm waving his torch. We have got nothing to answer him with. No. It's not Prevost. There's a second torch now. Now there's a third. <laughs> My God, it's. They sit all the searchers. They're, they're looking for me. I can't. They can't hear me. They can't. They're still signalling, though. I'm not mad. I'm completely calm. I'm looking again carefully. They're still there, the three torches. They've heard me. Sandex? Brevo? (laughs) Where are the lights? What lights? There are no lights. He's alone. Santex? And your lake. Ah. Your lake? As I... as I went towards it, it moved away. I'm sure it was a lake. You're mad. Why did you do it? I... I wanted to drink so badly. Ah. And you, your your lips are quite white Ah. Bravo! (laughs) I saw three lights As clearly as I see you now (laughs) (laughs) Yes Yes, I know We're in a bit of a state, aren't we? Night. It's already very cold. I'm walking about to keep warm, but my dehydrated blood is circulating badly and I can't stop shivering. The wind is getting up. There's no refuge in the desert. By day there's no shade and at night it delivers you naked to the wind. And what wind! It's like being charged at by cavalry on open ground. Prevost is trying to light a fire with a few twigs. But what's the use of that? It would be better to dig a trench, lie down in it and cover myself with sand. Just leave my face sticking out. Yes, that's better. I don't feel cold as long as I stay still. I won't move anymore. And that way I can't suffer anymore either. Well, what's he doing... Oh, he's trying to keep warm by stamping his feet. Uh-oh, privo, look, just dig yourself into the sand. Is it like this? And that way you'll... I'd rather do this. He's wrong. Stubborn, stamping up and down like that. And he could be sailing away like me, tied to the deck of a slave ship under the stars. Fool. But let him get on with it. We're dead anyway. Strange how the human body can't last for three days without drinking. We're prisoners of water. We think that we're free, but we don't see the rope that ties us to the well like an umbilical cord. And if we take one step too many, we're dead. I don't regret anything. I've lived my life. I've flown over the highest peaks of the Andes. I've faced savage tribesmen in the Sahara. And up to now, I've always come through. This time, I've gambled and lost, that's all. But life isn't about living dangerously. That's just pretentious. Bullfighters don't do anything for me. It's not danger I love. I know what I love. It's life. It's getting lighter. Everything's as dry as a bone. Well, a dry heart can't cry, I suppose. Come on, Privo. Our throats haven't closed up yet. We've got to keep walking. Now it's a west wind blowing. That's the one that dries you up in 19 hours. Every 500 meters we collapse with tiredness, but we have to keep going. The landscape is changing. Fewer stones, more sand. Two kilometers ahead, dunes with patches of vegetation. I prefer the sand to that steel armor. I prefer the golden desert like the Sahara. I almost seem to recognise it. The Sahara. It sent me a dragonfly once as a signal. It was at Port Etienne. Not much of a place. Just a foreign legion outpost and an airfield. The airfield manager only had one record. One evening I was shaving, getting ready to take off for the north with the mail. Hello. What's that? It's a dragonfly buzzing around the lamp. How do you get here? Now there's two of you. And a green moth. What's going on? Nothing. Sky's completely clear. Wind's getting up though. There's gonna be a sandstorm. Ten minutes later, the sky was full of sand, but I'd already been warned about it by the Sahara, which had sent me that dragonfly. But this isn't the Sahara. We'll have to rest. 200 metres. I can't manage any more. No. We're going to get as far as those bushes. We're walking just to walk, without hope. Everything's dried up in me. I've become a desert. I'm looking at Privo. He sensed it too. Something has changed. The desert is still empty, and yet- Sente, look. Uh, Tracks in the sand. Footprints. Uh. Miraculous footprints. Two look. Uh, and here, they're separated. And here, a camel knelt down. Somewhere ahead of us there must be a, a caravan. We've got to keep going as fast as we can. Come on. Come on. I can't believe it. Is that the sound of a cockerel? Are the mirages now in my ears as well as my eyes? Did you hear that? Why? (coughs) A cockerel. Uh, So I'm not dreaming. You heard it too. But that means... Of course. You fool. It's life. I try to shout, but I can't. Neither can Prevo. We're shouting silently, laughing without laughter, because there from behind the dune has appeared the Bedouin. A Bedouin and his camel. But he's he's moving away, not looking at us. (coughs) It's no use. But then he starts to turn, so slowly, another few centimeters, and the world will change. He's seen us. The miracle has happened. He's walking towards us across the sand, like a god walking on the sea. He doesn't say anything just looks at us. Then he presses his hands down on our shoulders, and we obey him. We lie down, our foreheads on the sand, and we wait. We're drinking, like animals. The Bedouin keeps making us stop, but as soon as he lets go of us, our faces plunge back into the water. lentement, messieurs. <laughs> vous avez beaucoup de temps. Plus lentement, s'il vous plaît. Water. You're not a necessity of life. You are life. Of all the world's riches, you are the greatest and the most delicate. You who flow so pure from the Earth's core. A man can die next to a salt lake or from drinking dew mixed with chemicals. You won't accept any mixing, any adulteration. You're such a touchy goddess. But you spread an infinite happiness through us. And as for you, our rescuer, Bedouin of Libya, I'll never remember your face. You are all humanity, and you appear to me with the faces of all men and women at the same time. You'd never seen us before, and yet you recognised us as brothers. And I, in my turn, will recognize you in every single person I pass on the street. As you walk towards me, all my friends walk with you and I no longer have an enemy in the world. In Wind, Sand and Stars by Antoine de Saint-Exupéry, dramatized by Rod Wooden, Saint-Exupéry was played by Paul Rees, Prevot by Adil Akhtar, and The Bedouin by Sean Baker. The director was David Hunter.